podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Wednesday on which we finally have journalists saying Liverpool cannot afford to wait until next summer to bring in a midfielder. Amazing that it took this long for any of them to have the fortitude to say it. But here we are, including journalists who wrote only weeks ago that we had no major holes in the squad. So it does look like Liverpool will move. It does look like something will happen. Now, there is a world in which something happens and we still end up worse off, which is Naby Keita leaving and an inferior player coming in. Now, if that inferior player has a better availability record, then that will maybe balance things out with Naby. But we will still need a midfielder. We will still be one short. As things stand, with Naby staying, we are one short. We're actually two short, but let's not be too greedy. But if Naby leaves and only one arrives and that player is, let's say, Sander Burge, that, does that make anybody feel better about the season? It shouldn't. It really shouldn't. It's apparent to everybody that we need a midfielder. It's been apparent to anybody with even the slightest amount of cop on that we've needed a midfielder for well over a year now. Jürgen knew we needed a midfielder. That's why he went for Chuameni. And then he dug his heels in. The perfect midfielder had to be brought in. Perfect midfielder doesn't exist. Not when you shop where we shop. And in truth, it probably doesn't exist anyway. Like, who would you look at in the modern game and say, they're the perfect midfielder? He could look at someone like a De Bruyne, but I mean, defensively, he has limitations. You could look at Rodri. He has limitations on the ball. He's a good passer, but he lacks a bit of pace. Not a great ball carrier at all. You know, there's no real perfect midfielder. And in terms of a perfect fit, I mean, the whole team was built with players who were imperfect fits, bar Ali, Virgil. And that's probably it. Everybody else, when they arrived, had to alter their game. Even Fabinho, who had exclusively played in a two, had to alter his game to play in a three. Thiago had to alter his game. Salah, Mane, Bobby, they all had to alter their games. Ginny Wijnaldum altered his game massively. Andy Robertson arrived as just purely a crossing merchant. He altered his game. Matip, Kanate, Jota, they've all changed their game. None of them were the perfect fit, bar Virgil and Ali. So that's just down to Klopp to coach them. And it's something he's proven over and over and over again he can do 
better than basically anybody on the planet. So if you give Jürgen good players, he will make them great players. If you give him average players, he'll make them good players or at least make them look like good players by making sure the system protects their weaknesses. This is what he does. You give him great players like Virgil and Ali, he makes them the best in the world. That's what he does. And there are countless midfielders out there that you could give to Klopp and he could mould into whatever he wants them to be. The lead story on This Is Anfield today is 10 midfielders Liverpool could consider for a late summer transfer. So let's have a look at the list. Yuri Thielemans is the first one off contract until next summer. So you would think the fee would be quite low. However, there have been some reports that Leicester are asking for an obscene figure, given he has one year left. I mean, if he had three or four years left, the figures would be fair enough. But 40 million for Yuri Thielemans at one year left just seems odd. The reports that he'd be available for 15 or 16, they also seem odd. Somewhere in that 20 to 25 range would be about fair. Now, admittedly, it is very late in the window, and Leicester might just prefer to keep him than lose him and have to replace him. But is Thielemans the ideal fit? Ideal, no. He's not great off the ball. He's not a hugely dynamic player. But I do think you could play Yuri Thielemans on the right side of Liverpool's midfield three with Fabinho and Thiago and free him up to be more attacking. And I think he could deliver. He is a creative player. He's an exceptional shooter from range. If you give him more freedom to do that, he's a good passer. He's clever. He's very, very clever. Very press-resistant. You'd like a bit more athleticism, but he is a good player. If Liverpool signed him and kept Keita, I'd be happy enough. I would. I'd be happy enough. Fabian Ruiz. I really like this one. He's also out of contract next summer. And in recent weeks, there have been reports that he was going to go to PSG for somewhere in the region of 17 to 20 million pounds. Now, if he's available at that price, it's a no-brainer. He's 26. He's a great all-rounder. Excellent defensively. Strong on the ball. Good passer. You slot him in on the left of the midfield and move Thiago back to the right of midfield where he excelled at the end of the 2021 season. And that's something that could work. Then you have Naby as the alternative to Ruiz. Elliot as the alternative to Thiago. That makes you a lot better. Now, if it's Naby out, Ruiz in, I don't think he's as talented as Naby, but he is more effective than Naby. He's also available a lot more than Naby. But we would still be short one. We would still be short one in midfield. Uh, Conrad Lamer is also out of contract next summer. He might be the best pressing midfielder anywhere in the world. He can also play as a number six. So he would make sense. 
And I wonder, could there be a Naby for Lamer swap that would work for both sides? Leipzig do want Naby back by some some reports. Is he as good as Naby? No. But again, he's maybe more effective than Naby. He has had one bad injury in his career, a horrendous ankle break. But he seems to have bounced back from that very well. You'd still be in the position where you still need a midfielder. But Lamer could become a really good squad player for us to have in time. He could be a starter in the interim. And he'd give you that energy, that drive, that pressing that we do lack in midfield now. Uh, Florian Newhouse, I have to say, I'm not keen on. We were linked a couple of years ago. He's been fairly poor since. He's two years left on his deal. I wouldn't be overly keen on bringing him in, to be honest. Uh, Hasim Auer from Lyon, again out of contract next summer. I think when you look at the clubs he's been linked with, Forest, Palace, it shows how far his stock has fallen because you go back three years, this kid was being linked with ourselves and with City. Two years ago, he's been linked with Arsenal and Spurs and now Forest and Palace. And nothing against those clubs. They're well run and they're recruiting well, but it just does show how his stock has fallen. I I probably wouldn't go for him at this point. There's been question marks over his attitude and his application. The the talent is undoubted, but just doesn't put it together regularly enough. Uh, Sander Burge contract till 2024. He's He's good, but he's not good enough, in my view. I put him in the hour thing. Three years ago, we were been linked with him and other clubs of our stature. He's been at Sheffield United now for two and a half, three years. And he's had a couple of injuries. I don't think he's really progressed. He has changed position, though, which is interesting. He's playing in a more attacking role. Did most of last season, again, to start this season. When we looked at him or were linked to him originally, he was a holding midfielder. So he could be a unique type of player that maybe develops into a weird game-breaking type who, with his height and his physical attributes, can just cause havoc for opponents. He's not great on the ball, but he is solid enough on the ball. He's progressive. He's, he's forward-thinking. If we got someone else and him, fair enough. But if it's just him, if it was Naby out and him in, I'd have to say no. Moises Casado, I mean, this is the one I really want. This is one of two that I think should top the list for us right now. Um, if we're looking for that kind of defense. Because what Paul Joyce said is that Klopp wants someone that can play as a six when needed, but can also more regularly function as an eight, that more defensive eight. And it's Moises Casado of Brighton. Now, he is a contract till 2025. Brighton bought him for 5 million, 
a year and a half ago. He's very, very good. Very, very good. He's so young. He's only 20. Had a decent loan spell at uh, Beershot in Belgium. He's been outstanding since going into that Brighton team. Absolutely outstanding. Now, the question would be, what would be the price? Would let would Brighton sell at this point in the window? The thing is with Brighton, every player is always for sale. Always. It's just you have to hit their price. And they, losing him would be a blow, obviously, but the way they operate, they probably have a list of 15 midfielders that they're closely tracking should the need arise for one. And 10 of them will be lads we haven't heard of before because their scouting is just absolutely outstanding. I think I'd pay all the money for him. I think I'd happily go to like 60 for him. And I know that sounds mental after 11 or 12 games in the Premier League, but he's 20. He is bossing Premier League games. Again, not against bad teams, against good teams. He's outstanding defensively. And he's good on the ball. He could be exactly what we lack, we lack which is Ginny Wijnaldum, but better. He's a great athlete, super smart, reads the game incredibly well. I think if you could go and get him and sell Naby and bring in a second one, you'd transform that midfield. But if you keep Naby and bring him in, I also think it has a massive impact. And the thing with him is you bring him in you're still open to get Bellingham if that is the move that you think you're going to complete next summer. Signing Casado doesn't rule out Bellingham because they'd play opposite sides of the midfield and they'd function in very different ways. Casado's much more defensive-minded and he's all about recycling possession. He's all about killing transition attack attacks by the opposition funneling transition attacks by his own team through to the players that can play doesn't take anything out of the ball. Bellingham is that guy that can come in and play in the final third and, and make a big impact in that right-sided role. So you could have both. There's no doubt the money's there. Absolutely no doubt. He would be top of the list for me. Quadio Kone will be number two. For the type of midfielder that's been described, someone that can play the eight, the left side at eight or the number six position, who can be that secondary defensive midfielder, who can stop the issue we currently have of getting killed in transition, of constantly having our defence left exposed like it was at Old Trafford. And he can fill in for Fabinho when Fabinho's not there. So we don't have to put Henderson there. We don't have to watch what we saw the other night. Jacob Ramsey is much more in the Jude Bellingham type of midfielder. Far more attack-minded, quick, really good off the ball. Looks like he should have a big capacity to press well. Not a not an outstanding passer, but 
a good passer who uses the ball well, makes good decisions. If you can't get Bellingham, I think you go for him. If that's the profile you're looking for. I'm not sure he's as, as good on the ball as Jude. But he makes really good runs into the box and gets on the end of things and shows that he does have a decent finishing touch. So you could turn him into a Lampard type of player who's just a goal-scoring midfielder. Jude will be more of a Gerrard type who does... They won't be as good as those players, I don't believe. But Jude will do a lot more in the build-up and in other areas, whereas I think Ramsey, get it, give it, go, get it again, get into the box, finish. Very simple, very effective. Um, He signed a long-term contract in April... I don't think Villa would accept a penny less than like 70, 80 million for him, which a lot of that is obviously the the tax of having an English passport. But you'd be buying someone for the, the very long term. I mean, he only turned 21 there in May, so you could get 10 years out of him. I don't think him and Jude work. So if Klopp has Jude in his in his sights... I think Ramsey would have to be on the back burner as a backup in case the Jude thing doesn't work, in case Jude gets bought by Real or somebody. Uh, Nicola Barella, contract till 2026. He's phenomenal. Phenomenal. And he could be whatever you want. I think if you brought him in now, he'd probably more likely play on the right-hand side of midfield and be the more attack-minded one, but with the way he plays, he could definitely play on the left side. Like, he's super competitive. He's very quick. He's very intelligent. He reads the game well. He's got good positional sense. He's very tactically switched on, like most Italian midfielders. You could make him the Thiago successor. won't be the same type of player, obviously, because he's not a Thiago type of passer. But he does use the ball very well. I would rule him as very unlikely because I just don't think Inter will sell him. He's got four years left in his deal. He is the heart and soul of that team. And in many ways, he's the poster boy of the new Inter Milan. So I just don't see that one. And then there's Jude. Um, Contract till 2025. This is the kid that Klopp seems infatuated with. Fabinho talked about him recently. I don't think he'd be available this summer. I just don't. But, I mean, it's worth one last throw of the dice, isn't it? I'm not sure he... The price is going to be ridiculous. This is the thing. I really like Jude as a player. But... You're going to have to pay $100 million or more for him. And I just don't know that that's the best use of $100 million. Like, that $100 million could get you Caicedo and Kone. And that would give you a whole bunch of different midfield options. You could play Thiago on the right, Fab in the middle, 
Casado on the left, Thiago on the right, Fab in the middle, Kone on the left, Thiago on the right, Kone in the middle, Caicedo on the left, or you could switch those two. You could play Kone, Fabinho and Caicedo if you just wanted to go and overrun teams. You could play Harvey Elliott on the right with Fabinho and Caicedo. Harvey Elliott with Fabinho and Kone. Harvey Elliott with Kone and Caicedo or those two switched again. So you'd have a whole bunch of midfield options. Like you'd have seven different options just from those five players. And that would be 100 million spent. The same, and probably you'd probably have some change. You would probably have some change left over. Whereas with Jude, I mean, you're still going to need more. Like, this is the thing. We... We need two midfielders now. Next summer, we are going to need three because Naby is going to go, Ox is going, and Milner has to go. Has to go. We need three midfielders next summer. We should be getting two of them this summer because two of those lads should be gone. They're, they're not good enough to play for this club anymore. We need two midfielders now. We'll need three next summer. If we get Jude, will there be any money left to spend on the other two that we would need? Or will we just leave ourselves short again, as we always seem to do? So as great as Jude is, he's not a £100 million player. Not now. In three, four years, yeah, very, he very may well be in three, four years. But now? No. He's a £50 million player right now. Like, Caicedo's not a £60 million player now either. He's probably a £30 million player. But if you've got a £100 million budget, spending £60 million and having money left to go and get another one, which you need, makes sense. And if we bought, say, Kone and Caicedo, you could go next summer and find the third midfielder that we need on a Bosman if there's no money to spend. We listed a whole bunch of players out of contract next summer. I mean, maybe you just take a gamble on our as a, as a free agent. Maybe you could bring in Lamer as a free agent, Ruiz as a free agent, Tielemans as a free agent. Maybe you go and get them next summer on a, on a Bosman for that third role. But if we're going to spend 100 million now, get two. Don't get one. Don't get one. Um, there's some other stuff on this is Anfield regarding the United game. Um, there will be a piece up on AnfieldIndex.com later on, hopefully, about that as well. Um, what have we got here? Journalist details profile of interesting midfielder Jurgen Klopp wants. I assume this is the Paul Joyce thing. Yeah, Paul Joyce. What the right player with the right profile looks like is interesting. Signing a body, anybody, is nonsense. Klopp wants an eight who can also play as a six. But it has to be someone who can play right now and also when the uh, cavalry returns. 
Yeah. Caicedo, Kone, either of them, both of them, they fit that bill. Look, Amadou Onana, who just went to Everton, he would have fit the bill. Matthias Nunes would have fit the bill. There have been midfielders out there all summer. A bunch of them have already moved. There's a bunch left. Jamie Carragher pinpoints new flaw to Virgil van Dijk's game. This is such tripe. How are we in a situation where the great players, the ones that led us, carried us to success, are getting blamed for the flaws of the passengers, the ones holding the team back, the one who cost us silverware last season, the ones who were carried by those better players to the Premier League, to the Champions League. Because they can no longer carry them because they're no longer fit for purpose. Like, I've seen people say Virgil's been at fault for three goals this season. No, he hasn't. The Fulham one, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. We will take that one. It's a clumsy challenge. He gives away a penalty. You would ask how he ended up in the position of being 1v1 with no help. 40 yards from goal. But, you know, whatever. Let's move on. The Palace one. How are you blaming that on Van Dijk? How? Fabinho should do better with his tackle. Trent could commit a foul. And Nat Phillips, I don't even know what he was doing. As the ball is played, right as Ezzy goes to play, go and watch the slow motion of it. As the as Ezzy's about to pass the ball, Nat Phillips takes a step back and plays Ezzy onside. That was after he'd already taken multiple steps back. That's who the goal is on. This idea that Virgil should have gone back and steamed into him. Like, what are you talking about? If Virgil continues to sprint. At Zaha, Zaha is going to jink past him, cut inside, have a much better angle for goal. With nobody stopping him now, because Nat Phillips is still jogging back, waving his arms around, looking for an offside that's not going to come. Trent is jogging back as well. Virgil has to slow down. He has to decelerate. And what he does is narrow the angle and back his goalkeeper. Because nine times out of ten, Nine times out of ten, Ali saves that. Because the striker doesn't finish it as well as, as uh, Wolf Zaha did. And then there's the goal that United scored. Like Again, this is just nonsense. Utter nonsense. Jamie Carragher did, of course, once blame Albi Moreno for putting his, arm, his hands behind his back while somebody was about to shoot in our box against Arsenal a few years ago. I think it was Mane's first game. Someone cut inside and shot, and Albi had his hands behind his back. The vast majority of defenders do that now. Maybe they didn't do it when Carragher played, but because of the new rules regarding handball, that's what they do now. That's what they're taught to do. Like This is not the 1990s anymore. 
you don't get away with that kind of stuff anymore. So let's look at that United goal. Liverpool have the ball on the edge of the United penalty area. The ball drops out of the air to Liverpool's captain. One-time footballer of the year, apparently. And rather than take a touch and turn into the enormous patch of grass beside him, he wellies the ball up in the air. Then he goes to chase the ball. The ball bounces, and it's between him and Jaden Sancho, and he pulls out of it. He could go in full-blooded, and he would have won that challenge because Jaden Sancho comes up to his elbow. But he pulled out of it. And then, rather than do the smart thing and just foul Sancho, just grab him, he proceeds to run back, waving his arms at whatever it was he was waving his arms at. The ball gets put into our area. We manage to get back into position, regain our defensive shape with our back four, and our midfield is all at sea. Then the midfield arrives, and Milner is in the wrong position. Harvey's where you would want him to be, and Henderson is marking Bruno, and he's in the centre of the box. And then he wanders off from there, leaving Bruno and this massive space in the center of our box, in front of our back line. The ball gets played into that space. Trent begins to walk across the penalty area. Sancho goes to shoot. Virgil is blocking the middle of the goal. James Milner comes in and if he stands up, he blocks the shot to Sancho's left of the goal as he looks at it, where the ball ended up. Milner blocks that if he stays on his feet. And Allison has the right side covered. Instead, Milner dives in. Why he dives in, I don't know. Klopp coming out and saying it was a good thing is absolutely mind-numbing. What are you leaving your feet for in that situation? Why are you leaving your feet? What are you doing? You're 36 years of age. You've been playing in the league for 20 years. Has nobody ever told you not to leave your feet in the box? Sancho makes him look like a mug. And now Sancho has Virgil in front of him and Ali who bit on the dummy, diving to the opposite side. Trent realises that now he has to run, tries to run, and Sancho finishes. Now, the criticism of Virgil, and according to James Milner, noted defender, is that when Milner dives in, Virgil should follow up There's just no logic there. There's no logic there at all. What Virgil does is he gives Sancho one option. Shoot. That ends one of two ways. He scores or he doesn't score. 50-50. 
if Virgil presses him, he could get dribbled past, giving Sancho an easier unopposed shot on goal. He could get dribbled past and foul Sancho, giving United a penalty and potentially getting Virgil a red card. The shot could hit Virgil and go in. He could play the very simple ball to Bruno. The ball to Bruno is not on. Even though Virgil's not marking Bruno, he's still in a position that if Sancho tries to fire that ball in, Virgil can react to it. If Virgil steps out, he can no longer react to that pass, and that's a simple tap-in for Bruno. Or Virgil can stop him. That's one in five. One in six? I don't know. One, one or the other. Either way, Virgil's chances of a successful outcome there drop drastically from 50% to 20% or whatever it would be, 16%, repeating. It's absolutely ridiculous. Just, like, I know some people used to fawn and fondle themselves over John Terry heroically flinging himself in front of balls and getting hit in the face repeatedly with shots. But for every time that worked, it didn't work four other times. You'll find plenty of goals conceded by Chelsea or any of these other teams that have these blood and thunder idiots in, in defence where they leave their feet and dive in and just get jinked one side, they pull someone down, they do something stupid. Or it hits their arm and they get away with it, which they wouldn't get away with now. John Terry was one of the best goalkeepers the Premier League ever saw. throwing his arms around and getting away with it repeatedly. Wouldn't get away with it now. Just wouldn't. Virgil grew up watching Nesta, Koeman, Rijkaard. Actually great defenders who understood how to play the percentages, who understood angles, who understood that desperation defending is not good defending, who understood that just because you do a big, spectacular tackle, it doesn't mean you've done well. It means you've originally put yourself in a bad position. It's absolute madness. Virgil getting... Like, I could understand Trent getting a bit of a, a roasting for his part in that game because uh, the Langa did terrorise him and Trent was quite lackadaisical at times. Uh, but this idea that it's their fault, like, they didn't pick the team with nine players who were acceptable. They didn't turn in the two out of ten that their captain did, their leader, the fellow they're meant to look to, the fellow who sets the standards. They didn't welly the ball up in the air because they have the first touch of a pub player. They didn't give the ball away for the second goal for the same reason. I saw Cy Brundish say, Fabinho doesn't give those goals away because Fabinho, what, what did he say? If he, if, if he just had a first touch like a footballer, like say Fabinho, 
If he just had a first touch like a footballer, neither goal happens. Neither goal happens. Like, if you're going to welly that ball, welly it over the bar. What are you doing? There's like you've time and space. The second one's even worse. You're alone in the center of the circle. There's nobody near you. You don't actually even need to touch the ball if you don't want to. Let it go. Oh. But this crap where people are now looking to blame Virgil, Trent. I saw some people blame Salah, Ali. Just because they're scared to point out what the actual problem is or who the actual problem is. Like, grow up. Call a spade a spade. The captain of Liverpool Football Club is not good enough to play for Liverpool Football Club. Simple as that. He can't play as an eight. We've seen it. Not last season. For years. We've seen it. He can't play as an eight. He can do a job as a six against certain teams. Crap teams that we outnumber in midfield who won't attack to the centre of the park. But against anybody decent, he's a liability. He's a complete liability. He's poor defensively. He's often lazy in his defensive work as well. Like he switches off. He doesn't track runners. He waves people on to people that aren't there. Go back and look at the Leicester goal at the King Power last year. Luckman is his man. Trent is nowhere close. Henderson's waving him on to, like, what are you doing? Because you don't want to do your defensive work. I suppose if you don't do your defensive work, you can't get criticised for doing it badly. And he's just not good enough on the ball. Like, he's terrified when he's pressed. He hides from the ball at times. His first touch is awful. Awful. He plays with far too much fear. Maybe that's the weight of the armband. I don't know. Maybe it is. But he plays with far too much fear on the ball. When he has time and space, he can pick a good pass. No doubt. Any professional footballer can pick a good pass when they've got time and space. When there's no pressure. Anyone can do that stuff. Now, there's certain things he's done over the years that have been outstanding. The pass to Salah last year at Old Trafford. Sensational. But he had time and space. A big gap to put the ball into. And Harry Maguire, who might be the slowest centre-back I've ever seen. Yannick Vestergaard might challenge that, but I think it's still back Maguire to finish last. But he, he's just not good enough. And for all the years of people building him up as something he wasn't. Now they're in a position where they can't just turn around and admit that he's not good enough. Oh, Lord. I didn't want to talk about him today. I didn't want to talk about him today. But Carragher and this tripe. He's not the only one. Carragher's not the only one. But loads of other idiots will use this. Like... 
I saw some, I can't even think of the name of it, some crappy account uh, on social media saying the same stuff and then quanti quantifying their argument by, or qualifying their argument by saying, like, this is what Jamie Carragher was saying. Like, have an original thought. Have an idea for yourself. Liverpool.com. Uh, Jurgen Klopp must repeat Trent Alexander-Arnold trick to to fix current Liverpool midfield problem. You know what? Normally, I would laugh at the idea of throwing a 17-year-old in the midfield, but I'd rather see him play than Henderson at the weekend. Genuinely, that's how bad it's become. Uh, Oh, this is crap. What else is there here? Perfect. Liverpool cannot wait for perfect transfer as Jurgen Klopp could browse eight-man Chelsea list. I'm not sure there's an actual list. Like, I'm not sure there's a menu that you can just pick from. Um, one name, though, that is apparently on the way out of Chelsea, is Callum Hudson-Odoi. And we know Klopp has been very keen on him in the past. And I wonder if it looks like he's going to go to Bayer Leverkusen on a loan with an op potentially an option to buy. I wonder if he does well there, could, could Klopp finally get hold of him? Um, others mentioned here, I mean... Billy Gilmore. Billy Gilmore is not a Premier League caliber player. Although Gilmore could be an underrated pickup, the kid couldn't do a thing right for Norwich last year. Like, paper is stronger against the wind than Billy Gilmore. Uh, Ethan Ampadu, I do like him. And as a backup to Fabinho, you could develop him into something maybe, but no. Uh, we don't want Ross Barkley, largely because he's garbage these days. Uh, Hakim Zayic, no. Michi Batshuayi, absolutely not at this point. Um, no, no. Hudson Adoy is the only interesting name. Unless Gallagher is available, but I don't think he is. Callum Hudson Adoy is the only interesting name. There's other stuff there. Uh, Go read it for yourselves. It's Liverpool FC in the damning state of play, written by Stephen Smith, is up on AnfieldIndex.com. There are four new podcasts. You might have heard two of them. Nina Cowser Show and Post-Match Raw. Uh, lots of ranting and raving on Raw by matches. Not by me, obviously. <laughs> Definitely not by me. I've, I've never been known for that type of carry-on. And then there is Rate Don't Hate. Uh, Guy and Dave Comerford discussing and rating the players I tell you Drinkle there better have been some twos and threes in there um, and then there is under pressure Dan Kennett, Dan Rhodes, Phil Barter and Simon Brundish discussing the shit show at Old Trafford um, I haven't listened to it all there is a dejection in their voice there is a dejection in their voices. Uh, so go and listen to that one. And that's it. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.
We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.